1: Hello and welcome back to the Book Riot Podcast.
0: It's a weekly news and
1: talk show about what's new, cool, and we're thinking about. We're talking about and thinking because you think before you speak. I always do this. For <laughs> I mean, no, ideally. I never say things off the cuff. Ideally. I kind of think while I'm speaking honestly about what's Same. new, cool, and we're talking about in the world of books and reading. I think that's why we enjoy this show, uh, why I always like the seminar, because you could sort of uh-huh. think of it as you said it. Um, Podcasting A like verbal
0: Today
1: Thursday, October 6, 2022. It's Nobel Prize Day, Rebecca Shinsky. Woo-woo! And as always, the prize winner is someone with whom we were intimately familiar, completely <laughs> know the complete corpus of, and are ready Have. to talk in minute detail to our, our legion of listeners about oh. why they should, too, should make the new Nobel Prize winner a part, a core part of their personal canon.
0: That answered my first question about the Nobel Prize this year, which was going to let's be... Do, let's
1: do a sponsor break before we get into it, because it's the big news story. And um, uh, if, if you've been listening at all, you'll, you can hear the facetiousness. I don't think that's a word. Vi- vis- facetity <laughs> Facetiousness, I guess. Let's go with it. The face uh, dripping. Uh, we'll come right back. Uh, I also get to pronounce French on a pod, which is always a good look for me. I always do it exactly right. I think this is Annie Ernaux, Let's
0: e- go with that. that
1: right. a French writer. She's 82 years old. Has a long history. A long as, as he, you're not winning the Nobel as a 41 year old. That's a young person no. to me now. That's how old I am. Um, but it sound, it's a Nobel Prize winner, Rebecca. The only only the 17th woman to win it. So this is still notable, sadly, yeah, that a woman cool. wins. Um, I have actually heard of her her book The Years, which was a two thousand it, it came out in two thousand eight in French. I didn't read it in French because I don't read French, and then made it into an English translation two years ago. So it kinda of tells you about her English language profile, is that her Magnum Opus had an eleven year <laughs> eleven year lag <laughs> between the French edition, um and the English edition I heard of that book. It was a finalist for the International Booker Prize in twenty nineteen, which is a list I'm always super interested in that's um I got feedback to get to in a minute, but that's one <laughs> that's one list that I look to for discovery like what okay. what's going on in the the world of international literature so i have I had it on there. I kind of knew the name didn't know much about it. Read what have you done your Wikipedia reading yet this morning? what can you what I can have you not. chip in like you know anything about this? Yeah, that's what I'm too.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know that one of the books, and maybe it's the same one, um, features like really straightforward exploration of um, having had an abortion in the 60s and a passionate love affair. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I'm interested in this woman's life.
1: She's a fiction writer turned autobiographer. So, I mean, the, if you're a French person that does stuff like this, it's like auto fiction. You, mm-hmm. you immediately get Proust eyes, like a, the lady Proust. That's, you know, you see that all, or the, the the female Proust. I don't know if that's fair or not. That's just what I'm seeing out there. But there's a lot of books. The years really charts a whole, like kind of in one sweep, post World War II to the 2000s. Um, I went to go try to order the years like as soon as I saw this morning. I thought I could get in before the rush. I think I wasn't before the rush, but there ain't no copies out there. It's not something that's wildly <laughs> in print. You know, you're not you're not going to find this right now. Seven Stories Press, which is her, um, I don't know if it's all English language text, but certainly her American publisher. As running back to press. She has a new book coming out from Oxford Unity Press and uh, University Press in two days, which is about the oh, big wow. box store, like the spectacle of the big box store. I also got a frantic email. This is Real Insider Baseball from Barnard <laughs> College this morning. I'm, on, I'm still on the old listers from Columbia and Barnard from my days there. And they had the great fortune of having booked Annie Arnault for an event on Friday <laughs> oh, uh, big in, win. Their, in their little lecture <laughs> hall. So uh, I think that's going to be a hot ticket. They're probably looking around for another venue I right would now. I guess. That's great. So good job, yeah. Barnard, uh, c- <laughs> calling your shot right there. I don't know if anyone thought that was a con- uh, possibility.
0: Yeah, I saw on Instagram that Stephanie Anderson, who is a friend of Book Riot uh, yes. and a librarian with the Brooklyn Public Library, um, was saying something that you know she's always interested in using like library holds as a measure for which prizes people actually care about
1: Mm. and that
0: the number of holds that she was seeing from folks in brooklyn trying to get a hold of an annie Erno book indicated to her that there's a lot of interest for this one
1: yeah um so i think i'm going to pick up the years when i can find one i would like to have a print copy of this i don't know how long it is that's the other thing that um terrifies me when I see (laughs) Proust. I don't know if you've checked out the shelf that is uh, Remembrance of Things Past. You know it's tough when Swan's Way is the easy one. It's like two 800-page volumes. Yeah. Um, So I don't know exactly when, but seems like an interesting person. The... I don't know. that now, now you know as much as we know, listeners, about the 2022 <laughs> yeah, Nobel I, Prize winner.
0: I don't know if we're in just a little stretch here of Nobel winners that are particularly interesting to me or if I'm like yes. aging into some space where the Nobel is going to start serving as more of a discovery tool for me than it has in the past. But I had such a good time with Louise Glick, as we all know. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that um, I'm definitely going to be reading Annie No. I'm very interested based on what I've read about her. And we'll see. We will just see how it continues to go. I did buy um, the Olga Tokarczyk book last year, but I haven't gotten to it yet. So Which it's like one? half discovery. Bones uh, and drive plows? Plow or, Over the yeah. Bones of the Dead, something like that. that one, I yeah. can
1: never keep that one straight. The book of Jacob that came out this year in hardcover, I've been eyeing that one. That also... Is a Svelte 947 pages in hardback? Um,
0: I don't know if I have that yikes. in me. Yikes.
1: But the Bones and Plow one, I think, is kind of the one people are going to because it's digestible. Like, you know, you can mm-hmm. hold it in one hand um, kind of a deal. If you've read Annie Arnault, uh or have heard or seen other interesting links or, or commentary, shoot us an email, podcastofbookriot.com. Yeah. Maybe a future Book Riot Patreon bonus episode. Uh, nice time to shout that out. Um, mm-hmm. In the feed right now, you've got a list of our favorite campus, air quote, novels. Uh, <laughs> I went with <laughs> campus stories. Read. What stories, even is a campus Stories, literary documents, texts, um, indices. Um, what, uh, that's in the feed now. And we're recording after our regular show today, how we organize our reading lives, which will be a super extensive and detailed show because both <laughs> you and I, are, are basically archivists and uh, annotators extraordinaire when it comes to keeping track of our reading lives. So it's going to be a super detailed, minutiae-driven, really ecstatic look at how carefully we track our reading lives. So look forward to that. You are like, Boy, on the sarcasm. The t- I don't know today. what is going on. I just I I turned it on either, and the faucet like, won't turn in, off. It's, it's stuck.
0: It's really there. It was a listener request. They want to know. So, you know, give the yeah, people what they well, want.
1: It'll be an exciting seven minutes for them. I hope they're excited <laughs> for it. Um, all right. Let me do some listener feedback. It's been a wa- You were out on vacation. We had Dead Poets mm-hmm. last week. So it's been a couple weeks from the regular show. I do want to say thank you. So many people wrote in. They left the comments on the Patreon page, but also emails as a, re- as a response to my um, National Book Award long <laughs> list existential driven crisis. existential crisis. Um the the kind of the tone was what you might expect which it's fine you're okay (laughs) we like what you do that's why we're listening to the show um you know don't worry too much about yourself what i really wanted was the knives to be sharpened for the national book award selection process that's not what people said Mm. a couple people thought that well do you think it's because of you know social media and people are doing different books that you know it's like that could be the case, except the jury here is like five older writers. I don't, I don't know that like um, who who was it? Karen Thompson Walker? There's someone we know that was like someone, Pam oh, Houston's on the
0: committee. This Pam year. Houston. Yeah.
1: That's they share a spot in my brain. I don't know if that's fair or not, but I, that's I like them interesting. both. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, am I? am not too wrong. Uh, I'm mostly wrong. But anyway, it's like I I don't think. And then the other names but I'm not. They're not like. 26 26 year old influencers or or even right. people working in the social for their library which is an important thing to do but I just don't think those the, the people being selected right now as this jury are picking out of that pool um and, and in a no. way I'd be thrilled that there is a mainstream and I'm just not part of it because then I could go jump into that pool um but I don't think that's what's happening unless you yeah, pick as I
0: no, I don't think you're wrong there. I think as I've thought about it more and looked specifically at the judges and this year's books, mm-hmm. the the place I really landed was these are folks who are in like pretty niche communities of literature already. Yeah. Most of them teach in MFA programs the way that they approach literature and what they're looking for as good and to hold up. Maybe the motivation of picking something mm-hmm. to hold up is pretty different from flagging a thing as mainstream applicable. Like What you get in an MFA program, a especially with a pretty niche group of writers is not mainstream fiction most of the time. Um, And that's not what they're trying to do. That's totally fine. But the more I looked at the judges, the more I was like, okay, this makes a little bit more sense to me. And Hmm. I've read a couple Hmm. of them. One of the ones I read made it onto the short list. I don't have any thoughts about the other four because I haven't read them, but I'm sure they're all great. Um, But just a really different list than I was expecting to see. Um, I don't think I was quite as shooketh as you were, but we were collectively on that little rocky. Space well, the di- I mean, but...
1: the difference was I was actively trying to read to, I was my, yeah. my reading net was to catch these kind of fish and I got, I got tires and old shoes um, <laughs> when it came <laughs> right. Right, right down to it. So, I mean, uh, and a lot of people said that, that they look for this as they use this as discovery. So they're kind of used to not knowing them. And that's exciting because it's pointing, they're being point to, um, they're they're using this as discovery, right? These are unknown things. You're not going to hear about it. You're not, and that's cool. Um, But so we're coming at it from different points of view and and that's fine, but uh, they also don't host a podcast professionally and work (laughs) in books. So I think the stakes are a little bit lower about trying to figure out if your divining rod or your intuition or even your taste is anywhere close to (gasps) representative of literally anything.
0: Yeah, let's not analyze what our taste means today. I don't think we have enough time.
1: No, we don't. We that, with another, That'll be our Swan's Way, Proustian-length oh Patreon yeah, episode. You know,
0: before we get to news of the week, we need to shout out that Book Riot has something to promote ourselves.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: we have a new book coming out that actually is out by the time you're listening to this called Reading the Stars that is... Astro- astrological stuff for book nerds or book nerd stuff for astrology nerds, either way. Um, how it, it connects how your zodiac sign shapes your reading life or how you might use it to shape your reading life. You know, like if you're like me and you're a Sagittarius who always wants to be traveling somewhere else, what books might you read? What books might you read for like developing some of the weaker areas of your personality or the opportunities as we would call them mm. in the business world. Uh, so Reading the Stars has book recommendations that build on your strengths they explore areas of growth gives you a like what does this sign mean so quick and dirty like if you're like me and you're not super astrology fluent but you want to speak enough of the language to understand what your friend is talking about where they're like oh well i'm just such a scorpio <laughs> this will do that for you um so whether you know your birth chart by heart or you're just kind of getting curious about it there's something in reading the stars for you publishers weekly called it an ideal gift for bookworms with a celestial bent and i think that's right on and um, so especially as we're going into oh, holiday little
1: drop there. Look at that right. little shout drop you just right? did. Right, I'm gonna shine my nice. little like
0: halo. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Um yes, yeah, so especially I think as we're going into the holiday season and gift giving. If you're looking for a gift for somebody who's into astrology and likes books, um, Reading the Stars is a great pick. It's beautifully illustrated. It's really we had beautiful. such a great time partnering with Abrams on it and worked with a wonderful illustrator, just creative and fun. And through October 31st, you can enter to win a copy along with a bundle of goods from our friends at Obvious State, including a celestial print, a notebook, and a tote bag. Uh, And they're the folks who do like just gorgeous illustrations from literary quotes and all kinds of things. So there'll be a link in the show notes where you can enter the giveaway and you can find your way to just purchasing a copy of Reading the Stars for yourself or the astrology book nerds in your life.
1: Um, One more follow-up that I think is a continuing story, at least insofar as we consider a story in our little Mm -hmm. um, niche of the universe, is about the sales of I'm glad my mom died in Babel had several people oh, write yeah. in librarians booksellers giving their little anecdotes um Jamie who helps us do TBR also was saying that at the warehouses we use to fulfill TBR can't can't get one for love of money to Babel so this is mm-hmm. from Mariah uh, affirmative consent thank you Mariah I also want to read the most um midwestern humble brag. It's not this is not humble brag because it's Midwestern. You'll hear what you'll hear what I'm saying here in a minute. Okay. I thought I would write in about some anecdote I have as an employee at a parentheses relatively high-performing indie bookstore in the Midwest. Mariah, I bet your store's great. I bet it's high-performing. Just tell it me like me this. Congratulations. I like to see that. But I like the modesty Good job. I, I see you. I know what you're doing. I, I think what she's she's not trying to say like we're awesome. She's trying to say I think we move enough units that we're probably data is useful from just our own experience here she said a babbles her favorite book of the year and she's read 150 Mm -hmm. that gets me interested thank you very much for that specificity maria mariah thank you so much for that their store got 10 copies on release day and not one since that is crazy so i don't know what that's about um i went down some rabbit hole the other day i think Kwang's Instagram got algorithmy fed to me because maybe I said babble aloud loud and Skynet <laughs> heard me. So the alg- and I-, I was like, I saw her. I was like, Is she talking about this? Is she noticing that you can't get it? And one thing I saw there, and this is complete supposition, don't quote me. This is not past journalistic standards of any kind, is that it looks like there's a whole bunch of special editions for like different book boxes, like some fantasy hmm. boxes, and sp- and I'm wondering if some of them are going towards that. There's a bunch of special editions. They just Clearly, they just mm-hmm. screwed up the number of copies to print. I, I, yeah. Something went haywire here.
0: It sounds like they just really underestimated how the book was going to perform.
1: Yeah. And then in terms of um, uh, I'm Glad My Mom Died, the McCurdy book, um, they continue to get copies, but they sell very quickly. Mm. Um did, did I tell you about my visit to the new Barnes & Noble format store here in Oregon? I think no. that's we are gone. Should we do this tell for me. a few minutes? Yes. Well, let's Obviously, do a sponsor I break. I want to know about have got thoughts. This. I'm sorry. I, this was going to be a whole segment. I was going to put it in here. I totally forgot. I've got no notes <laughs> off the cuff as it's opposed to show, my man. studied and stayed um, you know, recitation that I normally do. Let me do a sponsor break. We'll come back and get into it. There, it did I do the sponsor break? I don't know. We'll edit it and find <laughs> out. Good job, me. I hope you figured that out. Uh, in the future, when I'm editing this in three hours. That was great. Did myself no favors. Um, let's see. I was talking about um, Babylon, where, where my mom, uh, I'm glad my mom died, where my mom died. I'm, I'm sure that's included. My mom died in Babel? My, my, what, where, if, and how, and how glad I am that my mom died. Um, so we were out at the Barnes & Noble that's west of Portland in an affluent sur- suburb and it's one of these the big new format stores. I hadn't been in a big new format, Barnes & Noble. I'd seen pictures, heard about it. Um, so a couple of things. The, the reason I thought about there is because out on the front table, they had a uh, arrangement of, I'm glad my mom died. So they clearly either just got them in or maybe it's not selling as well there for some reason but they didn't go put them like on the shelves or even on one of the display tables. It was like by the register. So Mm. I'm thinking these are going to, I should have asked. I'm such a coward in public when it comes to talking to people. I don't want to bother anybody. Uh, Anyway, I should have just asked anyway. um, But I looked around for Babel, no Babel scene. I went on the shelves in science fiction, fantasy, nothing there. So I think that does show a little bit of what Mariah is talking about here. It's like Mm -hmm. the McCurdy is selling, but there are copies and they're coming out. The Babel, Lord knows what's happening Nowhere right to be there. Found. Really really mm-hmm. concerning. It's a real shame too because it sounds like a really interesting book. It is kind of the thing we've been talking about as maybe being the center, you know, I can't find the center with the with the jackhammer right now of literary <laughs> culture, but like genre, literary, social commentary, mm-hmm. diverse voices, the whole thing. Um she's an academic as well, which is another story, another so it's a shame they can't get the copies out and I I'm sure they're trying to print as many as they can. But the bookstore was the real eye opener to me. So I don't know if you've seen these um had a um Nicole actually one of our listeners emailed pictures from her trip to uh a Barnes and Noble and it looks the same one. So it's another okay. reason to talk about here. Thank you Nicole for sending those. And so you walk in and I think the best way to describe it is it feels like it feels like kind of like a uh a gym in terms of the the, hmm. the proportions, like much higher ceilings, more of an industrial, almost like Ikea-like singing uh, ceilings. Okay. And it's much darker, but it's lit from sort of the sides and below. So it has this feeling, as opposed to the Barnes & Noble, the standard format, how you and I've talked about, which it feels like you're walking into like an overlit living room, like where all the lights are on all the time. Yeah. And it feels there's too much fluorescent and it doesn't feel cozy.
0: So this is this like mood feel- lighting?
1: Yeah, kind of. It kind of more feels like a high end retail store where there's li- there's lighting, but it's not the whole thing is lit up. So mm. that's one thing that I noticed right away. You walk right in, and the whole front section is just um, tables, arranged paperback favorites or just some collection. Spicy Talk, Reese's Book Club. There's the Oprah picks. There's some other stuff, and so you know those are the tables you're used to, but they're spread out much differently. And there's not just one or two of them. There's like ten of them all before you even get to the register. And then you approach the register into the sides and kind of behind the register and the checkout are two curved bookshelves that, you know, you see them right as you come in and all the books are face out. So it's okay. just covers. And those are new releases right there. And then as you go through, the shelves aren't, It's not like library shelving where it's like row, row, row. There's all these curved shelves and all the books are face out or a lot of the books are face out, I should say. I I didn't go through, but most, it feels like almost all of them are face out and you can see the other sections and they're face out from various points of whatever section you're in. So it really pulls you through because you're like, here's this section. Oh, I want to go see that. I want to go. And so it kind of really pulls it through. And so the browsing does feel more like you're at a gap or banana republic where You're not going back into the stacks. I guess that's the library shelving Mm -hmm. term I forgot about. The the, the stacking kind of situation where you're in sort of a catacombs. Everything is open and meant to be browsed and meant to be discovered more than, here's the book I'm for and let me go find it in the the back of the room. I thought the kids' section was terrible. It's like way back in the corner. I really prefer the old kids' section, um, the older format one. it didn't feel inviting. It didn't feel fun. Maybe they're different for this one, but I think that was the only place I felt like it was a real step backward. Um, Michelle, my partner, uh, who is an architect, hated this space. I, I think I'd I was going to ask. I'd, well, she she made the comment that most of the time people don't like to have your back to a huge open space. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of places in this where you're going to facing a shelf and you're going to have a lot of open space behind you. Didn't bother me. She didn't care for that. She didn't like the lighting. She thought the tables were too spread out at the beginning. So it felt like you're walking into kind of an empty-ish store. Mm. I agree that the tables at front weren't super attractive to me. I think I would just made those shelves, but I think what it was really is doing is by having those flat tables, it allowed line of sight like almost all the way to the back of the store so you could see everything. So if you have curved shelves right there, it really blocks everything up. So I think they're solving for this getting pulled through. And, and it, much, it much more makes you want to wander the whole store, which I have to admit, it's not something I've done in a Barnes & Noble old format in a while. I kind of go to literary fiction, I'm at the front, and then if I don't want anything else, I'm not going to go looking around because it's not that fun, but this you're yeah. really browsing through. I thought it was a real improvement. That, that that's, was my take, a real improvement, and I liked it. That's
0: super interesting. It sounds like a big version of the vibe I like in my favorite indie bookstores, which have mm. the, lo- the walls lined with big yes. floor-to-ceiling shelves, and then everything else is a shorter display which does give you something like either a table or some sort of big stand gives you stuff to walk around and a path through the Mm -hmm. store and I had never quite thought about it the way you're articulating it but it is the book equivalent of like standing at the jeans and being able to see the leather jackets that's right (laughs) And that's nice. It's just there's something kind of dopamine about it in that shopping experience of like, I'm right here with this thing that I think I might want. And I can see this other thing and that it does pull you through both sort of physically and visually. Sounds really interesting. I wonder if the face-outs, like, you have less shelf space when you're facing books That's out than great when you're point. spining them. And I wonder if that has something to do with the stories that we've been hearing recently about Barnes & Noble decreasing, like, debut hardcover orders. Like, you just have less shelf space if you're going I to had the same out.
1: thought. There are hmm. manifestly fewer books per square foot shelvable in this format. You just can't yeah. because right. with cover out, you know you know how you know how volume and spines work, but I think it makes sense. The cover covers are great. Like a whole wall of cover out books is awesome. It's really it's beautiful. So appealing. Yeah. I would do my own bookshelves that way, but I also have like the practical problem is I'm, you know, their storage as well. And it actually kind of made me think about, is there some other way to do this? Can I have my cake mm. and eat it too to some degree? It's like, well... Do I really need to be a – do I need all the books? That's a whole separate thing, talking (laughs) about psychoanalyzing or discernment. That's one. But, like, do I need to be able to see them, or could, like, some of them be face-out with the spines behind a storage Mm -hmm. and you can move them around or something like that? But I thought it was really – it was a really good store, and I think a really good update. Um, And I'd be curious to see what they're seeing in terms of sales change, by volume, you know, by um, square foot of the store, It was a a good little um, jaunt out there. And, you know, they do a a really good job, too, I have to say. um, I think even more now of, like, the sidelines being kind of sprinkled throughout, you know, you're going to go by a table of the bookish puzzles by the Hmm. one table. It's not like a whole area. It's more like you're going to incidentally see the sidelines as you're browsing the other stuff. So it makes it feel a little bit more like there's the, the tchotchke corner right? Or just while you're getting, you're getting Snickers barred in the checkout line with like scarves (laughs) and mugs and stuff. It feels a little bit, so it makes the browsing experience because you can discover like, oh, here, I didn't know they had, you know, bookish hats or whatever else it might've been right there. So that was really interesting. I'm totally off topic except to say thank you, Mariah, for emailing us. And um, if you or others that emailed me about us about Babel see a turn of the tide at any point, I'd sure like to hear that. Um, Because it is a confounding um sales trajectory because it seems like people we're talking about it people really love the book and it's selling ain't no books to be found it's not what you want as a publisher i'm sure they're yeah. gnashing their teeth they cannot be thrilled about that
0: right and i'm sure that it's doing okay like in ebook sales but there are folks who want a book in print yeah <laughs> and yeah that's, that's too right. bad.
1: it's a it's i got a I bought a copy at Powell's. they had two of them a couple of weeks ago and i bought one of them it's a wonderful edition really quite a lovely edition. So um, I'm not surprised that it's being especially coveted in physical form. Oh, we got a lot of news. Uh, <laughs> we got to hit this because it was on the agenda a couple, um, couple weeks ago. People were emailing us about it. Why didn't you talk about this? We saw that audiobooks are now live on Spotify.
0: Yes, they are.
1: I'm not sure what else there is to say at this point, Rebecca. Is there, is there anything else interesting about this?
0: I don't think so. I kind of I haven't bought an audiobook on Spotify yeah. because folks who remember it, yeah. yeah, folks who remember Justice for Bob will know that we have a backlog of Audible <laughs> credits. <laughs> in my household (laughs) but i went through all the steps except for actually finalizing Mm -hmm. the buy and it's annoying in the way that getting an audible book used to be annoying on an iphone where you can search for the book in the spotify app and then once you want to make the purchase you're directed to you have to go to your browser and like functionally if you're on an ios Mm -hmm. device you have to move to your computer you can't do it on your laptop or you can't do it on your phone um but they're priced According to prices, the publisher sets, you know, so same price for the audiobook you're going to find anywhere else. And presumably they can toggle with some sales Mm -hmm. and do some things. But it's a good catalog. Anything that's available in other places you're looking for audiobooks is basically available in Spotify. I'm finding this appealing for the future because I do the rest of my audio life in Spotify podcasts are there. I've got more than a decade's worth of music over there. Um, I like the idea of fewer apps since we've had this like decade of Mm -hmm. app expansion. Um, I might start, exploring this when we finally run through the last of the Justice for Bob Audible credits. Um mm-hmm. but good to see. It's good to see. I wonder I, I wonder slash <laughs> nope. They're probably not gonna give us like numbers about how this goes, but I wish that yeah. they would. I would like to see it be successful, not just for having, you know, another robust piece of competition in the market, but that it's so nice to just pay the price for the audiobook <sighs> and not have to screw around with a credit based subscription. <laughs>
1: Yeah, my head's in my hands. Um, Please. Yeah, I think this is for people who don't have an audiobook source of choice already. Great. I can get it in Spotify. I think if you're already in Audible or Barnes & Noble or Libro or Kobo, or now I'm just naming audiobook retailers, (laughs) um, there's not much real reason to switch, especially if you have a listening flow down like I do with Audible. Like I know how to use the app. They have the best selection. There's also Audible originals that I don't know how. Maybe some of that moat will come into effect with Audible. Like why do I keep doing these Audible originals? Maybe it's because they're worried about stuff like this. There's a mm-hmm. reason to keep the subscription rather than just buy the titles because you know, quiet as is kept, title based buying is a commodity, right? Like we we're just saying about Babel. Who's got a copy yeah. of Babel? I don't. If I'm if I'm looking for the copy, unless I'm an unusual kind of buyer. I'm not going to pick one retailer that over because of anything other than convenience and price. I hear all you indie bookstore readers, I, I know, but you're out there, but you are you and we that think about this, and I do, are weirdos. We're outliers when it comes to this kind of stuff, right? It's true. Um, but maybe someone who hasn't tried an audiobook before, I wonder if younger potential listeners who haven't saddled up, maybe don't have as much money, aren't willing to do a subscription for an Audible or something else, like, oh, yeah, I heard about... I heard, uh, I'm glad my mom died. I wonder if that kind of surreptitious spur of the moment stuff could be cool. Yeah. um, To really like surface that it's like yeah you heard of this book listen to it right now on Spotify or buy it right here in Spotify as, as opposed to like how do I buy audiobooks again because there's always <laughs> right, that step think, now it's like what's the price it's either $400 or 1195 a month those that, are your two don't choices don't get
0: us started on that yeah <laughs> yeah I was thinking about my dad who's a diehard Spotify fan listens to music all day long and listened to audiobooks he was in sales for most of his career mm. and did a lot of travel and listened to audiobooks like the old fashioned way with the five billion cassette tapes and then slightly fewer cds when those were the formats and then it fell out of his life he retired around the time that digital stuff was becoming big and that's just not been part of his life even though all the other audio components listening to music still is and i feel like if i were to be like yo dad you can also do audiobooks on spotify Mm -hmm. now you don't have to learn a new app you don't have to set up an audible account that has to be managed separately from your amazon account like you already have this you it's just like two more steps. You can do it. I think that he'd be interested in that as well. So I think some possible expansion for all kinds of folks who, there, as we know, there's a lot of headroom still in book readership for conversion yeah. to audiobooks there's a lot of opportunity for growth and having it be inside an ecosystem that so many people are already familiar with and not like another app that just does one thing like I think I'm thinking a lot about like Alton Brown's kitchen philosophy of like don't have <laughs> single you don't have single tasker. Right items in the kitchen. Like get a knife that can do a bunch of things. You don't need a special thing that cores apples and a special thing that does something else. Get a knife that does a bunch of things. And Spotify is becoming one of those, you know, multi-purpose tools for all kinds of content in our lives, which I think is just such a smart way to think about it.
1: Let's say tomorrow Spotify offered a one audiobook credit per month for 12 bucks. That's what I have with Audible, just saying Mm -hmm. that do i switch would i be like i'll keep it in one i don't think i would i don't know why it's <laughs> not it's not that hard i already have audible it's there you know i i don't see any compelling reason on a on a feature level um i, I do kind of like weirdly using my garlic press versus my other thing here because it's not i don't have to search for where the audiobooks are like you know mm. what i listen to in audible i listen to audiobooks Versus tabs and podcasts and music and everything else. Um, maybe maybe if the navigation were better, but I don't think for me Spotify adding audiobooks solves any of my problems okay. right now. Now, pricing, you want to charge me a flat 15 bucks per? Buy it in app right there. Charge my Spotify account. I'm listening, Swedish yep. overlords at Spotify. <laughs> Swedish? I think they're Swedes. <laughs> yeah. You see, we're getting a spotify origin story docudrama thing with the we works or we crash style we're getting one of those oh, about spotify
0: interesting i don't, I don't know, if know there's all any the spiciness there. yeah i'm yeah. sure there
1: must be um anyway there's that i'll tell you something i am excited about and i'm probably gonna buy and totally don't need you know where i'm going with this it's the <laughs> I kindle i do know Scribe. where you're
0: going <laughs> Tell I put me this about in it. today
1: had you seen this? this this broke where you were away had you heard no, about this I did seen this it, flutter no. see that's the problem they're not going to sell any of these so, so we're to do it now
0: <laughs> except Kendall, to
1: you <laughs> except to me I don't think I'm enough Rebecca for this, at least, I'm I'm okay. so much more. Than Tell me about in a the Kindle Scribe. So uh, this is on the Verge. There's a story by uh, David Pierce over there who covers. They actually do a pretty good job of covering e-readers. The Verge, like if Kobo has a new thing, they'll do a post about. I'm like, wow, that's a deep cut. I don't know how many Verge readers are really interested in that, but whatever. It's it is a new format. Um, it's called the Kindle Scribe, and it's big. It's we've heard uh, God, this is. Let me say this: If I was going to pick one new Kindle device format and everything i would have picked this it's 10.2 mm-hmm. inches so it's it's regular it's normal ipad size so it's not yeah. big it's not small it's like the middle ipad size and it's got a stylus and it's great and you can mark on your kindle books and pdfs and it'll remember it has a front lit display with a warm light 300, 300 um, pixels per inch so it's going to look really sharp there's two pens which what are you doing? There's a basic <laughs> pen or a pre- just just let me choose charge me for the pen with ads. I don't know what this is stupid. Charge there should be one the pen. pen with- <laughs> the pen with ads on it. You like you pick it up and it says, you know,
0: well, you here's get $10 the, uh, off your
1: next Lyft ride.
0: This is the nice you know, option for the people like us who are just waiting to find the right pen and the right notebook, and then all of their problems will be solved. Oh,
1: this, this will solve all my problems, though, Rebecca, because I, I can hear annotate it. and remember <laughs> and save. I can mark up Kindle books, PDFs. I can do all the things. I'll be a product. It's, my reading life, I was already on point, keeping track of my reading life. I'm going to go. I, it's going to be wild stuff here. I'm, I'm going to be like, <laughs> like knobs and switches and all reminder. sorts of stuff
0: and ask you in six months how you have become a different person (laughs) thanks to your Kindle scribe. It looks like Amazon's answer to the Remarkable tablet. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, which we have heard from a couple of people that they use for the kinds of things that we were guessing people use it for, like preparing legal documents. Mm -hmm. You're an academic, and you've got to mark a thing up, and so maybe Amazon just wants to to get on in there. Um, As much as I love to mark things up, and I will buy a hardcover copy of a book that we're going to read together on the show yeah. so that I can mark it up and make my notes. I, I'm i not compelled <laughs> for 340 bucks here. I'm just going to stick with my iPad, my glorious what iPad What if there was mini. an
1: ultra-premium pen, though? Do you think it's because there's not enough pen choices? Do you think that's why you're not using? it? Does
0: it come with a notebook? <laughs>
1: Uh, the $30 premium pen, this is amazing stuff, includes a customizable shortcut button and an eraser sensor. I don't know what oh. a customizable... So you press the end of the button, it takes you back to your home screen or it starts recording. It's kind of weird to do. Um, bu- 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 bu, handwritten notes are stored in your Kindle collection along with everything else. One of the biggest knocks against ebook readers has been that they don't support marginalia, the quick notation scribbles that so many bookish types like to leave in their pages. The scribe brings a lot of that back. This shouldn't work on me. I could buy this, and I will never (laughs) use it. Do you hear me, future self?
0: I do. How do you need to hear hear this? (laughs) You don't need a ghost of future, because you've got me. (laughs) I'm I'm all three ghosts
1: and myself. I know. I'm all the ghosts. They're all aware. They're talking to each other right now, but it doesn't matter.
0: Do you annotate your hard copies of things?
1: It depends what I'm reading. So we're doing something for work. And I do. I absolutely do.
0: But if I'm reading,
1: well, what's a good example, So you don't have to become like a totally,
0: you don't have to become a totally different kind of person to use this, theoretically. No,
1: that's the problem. I just am me all the time. (laughs) (laughs) That's the problem here.
0: Well, I think you'll have a really nice dopamine surge from this at a very fun first week. And no, what's we'll going to
1: happen is I'm going to be like, I, you don't need to buy this. I'm fine not buying this. I'm totally fine not buying this. And then magically somehow I'll buy it. And for two weeks, I'm like, this is a great. I'll use it for three things. Yep, and yep. then a week after that, i am like, what the hell are you doing? You, you've you done this to yourself again. You never get any better. Why do we even learn things and go to therapy? It's just the same old crap over and over again till you die.
0: <laughs> It'll give you a, you'll have a great time in therapy that day. You can take a break from talking about tomatoes.
1: What if my therapist is using a Kindle Scribe though to take
0: notes? (laughs) What if you buy your therapist a Kindle Scribe?
1: (laughs) You know, I'll have to give it to someone because I won't be flipping using it. Doesn't your
0: dad listen to the show? Dad, can you just buy this for Jeff for Christmas so he can? Dad listens
1: anymore. (laughs) Dad doesn't like Kindles. It it would be it'd be a wonderful birthday gift. It is expensive. It's three forty. And that's before. I'm not even sure what your pen situation does. That come with your dirty old normie pen? You Does that even come with (laughs) not the the customizable, not the customizable, you know, ad supported pen?
0: (laughs) Oh, you're in good form today.
1: (laughs) It's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we're talking about my favorite things: books being out of print, audiobook pricing, and Kindle technology.
0: You're never going (laughs) to (laughs) use. Yeah,
1: that will make not one lick of difference on the number of National Book
0: Awards (laughs) finalists. and that's the nugget for therapy.
1: <laughs> uh, if there Why were one more Kindle, on I would have read three of the ten <laughs> finalists and would have been a whole and complete person.
0: Oh Jeff, at least the therapists are gonna be all right. We've got plenty of material.
1: <laughs> um if you look if you there's links in the show notes. Show notes, yeah, links in the show notes to the stories here. My favorite thing about this it would be worth 10 bucks for this illustration of one of their like you know PR marketing shots there's someone has drawn a crocodile like a cartoon mm-hmm. crocodile mm-hmm. and it's like annotated it it says small eyes and it like points to the bumps and then it's points to the toes it's small toes but no flippers how to swim i don't know who i don't know what they're doing here just for, what is this cartoonists cartoonists need the kindle scribe it's weird
0: i think that's what they're going for cuz that competes with some of the iPad features for like yeah. illustrators, but this, the Kindle Scribe is just black and white, correct?
1: Yes. And, okay. and Pierce even mentions that an e-ink display would have been a game changer. Listener, you might be wondering out there, why not just your, use your iPad with a pen like a champion? And the answer is, it's a great point. Thank you so much for making it. The <laughs> it's second not new one and is, shiny. No, No this is not a good reason. I will use it to rationalize it later. I know that, but I'm saying it now. It's not a good reason. <laughs> is that you can mark up Kindle books and it'll remember Mm -hmm. the annotations, which you cannot do, to my knowledge, simply and easily. But I do this for like eight books a year where I buy a hardcover because I know I want to mark it up. And I want that hardcover anyway because here's the thing. It's not just the marking. It's being able to find it quickly. And there's still no equivalent to just flipping through the book and say, where's my star? Where did I dog ear the thing? If you don't do this and this offends you to mark a book, I'm so sorry. I I don't know how to mark that in iTunes, that it's not safe for work for people like you. But that's what I do when I'm really using the book as a Mm -hmm. teaching or learning object. It becomes its own marginalia. This still doesn't do that. So I know, Rebecca, I know. I know (laughs) I don't want this. And yet and yet
0: <laughs> yeah that was that's my primary complaint is that it's hard to go yeah. back and find the notes like occasionally I will be reading something digitally that I'm like oh I'm going to end up referring to this it's too late mm-hmm. now to go get the hard copy and I'll start making highlights and I just know then that the best experience I can have at the end of that is to skip through the highlights page in my Amazon app and then try to remember the full context for them and take my notes and like that's fine if the thing i'm highlighting and this is not at all a real example is the worst <laughs> lines in a colleen hoover ebook
1: oh <laughs> yeah i might i don't know just why you think about that read
0: back to someone later yeah <laughs> but it's not if i'm like trying to remember oh what was the explanation here for this particular thing or what was that great example or what's that beautiful sentence in mm-hmm. that ishiguru like There is not a good digital equivalent of flipping back through a book to find the thing that you were looking for, even though tapping the corner of my iPad takes probably less time than flipping the pages of an actual book does. It's just not the same. Maybe folks who grew up as digital natives have a different experience of it. I really wonder about that. Like my mind got blown last year when a high school teacher friend was talking to me about like kids having their iPads in class and using laptops and that they don't use lockers anymore. And I was like, yep. how do you but what about the textbooks? And she's like, honey, yeah. <laughs> the textbooks are all on their That's laptops right. and their iPads. And I was like, But how? But,
1: but you can't learn that way.
0: Right. That's not how it learns. That's not how learn happens. <laughs> and yeah. so maybe um, like maybe young folks who are younger than we are have a different feeling about accessing their marginalia. Um but that's my primary holdout too, aside from I'm not paying thirty bucks for a magical customizable clicky pin. I don't even want the dirty normie pin.
1: W- one more one more preview of rationalize. <laughs> <laughs> one more um preview of rationalizations to come. If I'm gonna have a Kindle, Rebecca.
0: You might as well have a if, if I'm gonna
1: have one why not get the one where you get the dirty normie pen and that is 10 it is a larger format and i do like the larger format i've i've said before about the oasis mm-hmm. i've got larger hands and it's a little weird to hold in my giant gorilla hands um i'm sure the pen will be finely sized i'm sure that won't be weird at all to have the little kindle pen in my other hand <laughs> the bigger one is probably the more expensive one the other one's like one of those little golf pencils you got to use something yeah, like that i don't yeah. know i'm just making that up um so there's that there's nothing wrong with my oasis though i wouldn't mind if it broke by the time
0: did you already get the new oasis didn't we just talked about it a couple there
1: wasn't no that wasn't an oasis that was the so there is the kindle that's what we were talking (laughs) about the the number one kindle that's the kindle there's the paperwhite which is a step up from the kindle no the new the new (laughs) one is the new base kindle it's just not as crappy they changed it, it so it's not doesn't look fuzzy. Um there's the paper we white which about is new one. slightly better. I think it has a warming backlight, adjustable backlight. I can't remember. The Oasis is the that's the tall cotton one, was the high end one. Um has a nicer screen, it's a metal it's a metal display, a little bit larger, has the asymmetric design where one side's got a little a chunkster wedge on the side mm. so you can hold it with your hand and you're not doing and that's what's also described does um and that was i think i think the list price for that is like 289 now so this is even more expensive than that um i that's, we've done enough on this except to say <laughs> that one of the things one of the competitors they mentioned the remarkable two they say okay. why you might prefer this to the ipad or the ipad to this all things we know but one of the other competitors that's the same size is a 479 seventy nine dollar. and the reason i'm bringing this up is the name of this unit is the books b-o-o-x no air 2
0: <laughs> rolls off the tongue
1: i don't know i don't know what don draper would say about any of that but it's got the x for the ks it's no air 2 that's just too much it's like i'm buying a volvo an xc 90 l it's like what is this i don't know
0: so what's the countdown clock on i, how many I try not to until- see when
1: this is com- it's available for pre-order It'll be out before the holidays. Okay. I think if you're remarkable too, you're not thrilled with this news. I probably would probably not. Yeah. Okay. Well <laughs> that, was that was a journey. A journey. Uh <laughs> what else do we have to do here? Speaking of Amazon, this is really a follow up from the story we talked about before. Um, Book Talk ruined the e- the Amazon's very yeah. generous <laughs> ebook return policy. It's why we which can't is, have nice things. You could read the whole book and say, Nope, I'd like my too expensive ebook back, my fourteen ninety nine. Um, back, and they did the thing, I think it was one of the, the ameliorations that was suggested, one of the ones we thought was reasonable, so is that if you've gotten past a certain percentage, and I don't know off the top of my head, I don't have the, I'm too, I, my eyes are too drawn to the Kindle Scribe um, <laughs> features 10%. and benefits page, I can't, so if you've read more than 10% of the book, you bought the book, <laughs> which...
0: Yep, it's yours now.
1: Okay, C- could we quibble, could we quibble with that 10 do you have any quibbles with that ten? No,
0: I think this is totally reasonable. Yeah, like given, so, especially that hmm. if you've read, if you've visibly read a book that you bought, a physical book that you bought, you can't stroll into a bookstore and just be like, I don't like this. If it's in mint, con- it's mint condition, though, right? No, if it's
1: in if it's in mint
0: condition, sure, but. It, books, you know, get worn or bent or whatever, like, yeah. pretty easily. I don't know if there's been an uptick in that in physical book return attempts. It did not happen very often when yeah. I was a bookseller. You right. can let us know if you're a bookseller and you're listening to this. But I think 10%, like, you know, 30 pages of a 300-page 300 novel page. is enough to get a flavor of, am I going to like this or not? I'm it's anchored not at quite 50 the pages Pearl... for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Because that's kind of what the... I do, but that's Yeah, okay. that's that Nancy Pearl rule of 50, like... Right. I could I could see that but since Kindle doesn't measure things in pages, it measures your progress in terms of like yes. the weird locations throughout the ebook <laughs> or the percent that you've read. You're on location
1: 798 percent. of 34,789. <laughs> like, you know, Super helpful, right. Kindle. You know
0: what's weird is that I now know how long a book is that has 8,000 locations <laughs> versus 2,500.
1: <laughs> do you think if I press the, the action button on my premium pen, it could just auto convert that to percent? That would be Maybe great. That's, could I make that my quick option on my seven hundred dollar Mont Blanc <laughs> special edition Kindle Scribe?
0: That's a pen? pricey. That's a pricey price to pay for just that upgrade feature.
1: <laughs> do you know what fountain pens go for? It's true. It's, in, it's wild stuff. So I think this is good. I, I think this too. is something that most people didn't know you could just willy nilly return stuff, and probably should have been the policy from the beginning. Wasn't getting abused enough, and. Book talk ruin it, called out especially lots yeah, of verge shouts. They do they still cover tech stuff related to books better than anybody else. I no think one else they does do. their kind it's, of stuff. So And
0: this, and this is peers. a good note maybe for AD Book talk or yeah. social media in general. Like finding a loophole and telling everyone about it doesn't actually help <laughs> anything. <No. laughs> maybe for then you're just your algo right. for a while, but then we mm-hmm. just can't have nice things. So
1: um what was i was gonna ask i you know, i guess the other piece about not bringing the book back to the physical bookstore a is that that there is some friction you got to go to the bookstore right. you, maybe you've even got to say why did you return it it's like you bought the book
0: uh, right. i think most i of the didn't returns-
1: i read nine percent of it and didn't like it I'm like oh cool
0: yeah. The returns I encountered were almost always gifts. And then, yes. at the, and you know, those folks had their gift receipts. That's the whole purpose of a gift receipt. And then mm. at the time, Harry Potter and Twilight were both happening. And there would occasionally be parents who, like, my child bought this Harry Potter book and it is of the devil. And I do not wish for them to have it. That kind of thing would happen.
1: <sighs> yeah, right. Was it 11% of the devil, though? Because if it's less than 10% devil, you can't bring it back.
0: Like, lady, if he already read it, you can't return that. It's in his brain. Yeah. Um, if you
1: know, if you've read enough to know it's <laughs> devil-y, you got to keep that.
0: 11% of the devil is definitely That's, the show title
1: today. Yeah, 11% of the devil. You know, just enough. Just enough devil. Um, so there's that story. I don't know how many ad spots we've done. I think we've done enough. We're running out of time. Where do you want to go? Do you want to go Where to a front list foyer or do you want to do adaptations or, or quickly both?
0: Oh, I let's do a little frontlist foyer.
1: Okay. You go first because I forgot okay. what I was going to talk about. I'll look it up because <laughs> my reading life is so organized.
0: Right. Uh, let's see. And I've been in cold medicine all week, so we've just been <laughs> wild. I'm the one that sounds
1: like I've been on cold medicine.
0: <laughs> it's, it's a good time here at the riot. Yeah. Uh, I was on vacation. I read... Stay True by Huashu on oh, my flight out. And Oh man, it was so good and it yeah. made me cry on an airplane <laughs> and then I was mad at you that you didn't tell me it was going to make me
1: cry. Well, that's part Okay, listen. You're already You don't you're not re- I don't know how to do this. You, we're trying to talk to each other through spoiler-filled <laughs> internet people I know, listening to
0: us. I know. Actually, I understood why you didn't tell me because the thing yeah, was you a go. pivotal Thank you very moment. Much. I was like, God damn it, Jeff. Um, It was wonderful. Just his voice is so wonderful. And I wasn't terribly familiar Uh, with his writing. Like mm -hmm. when we went into the, you know, Catherine Schultz memoir, I know her voice pretty well. um, While she was much newer for me. And just that. The The way that he captured that feeling, like I think you were talking about it on the, the Campus Stories Patreon episode of what it's like oh, yeah, to go to there. college yeah. and meet yeah. people and that, like the romance of meeting your friends when you're a young adult. And, like there was a little feeling of like perks of being a wallflower to it, of like driving mm-hmm. in the car with the windows down and the music turned up and all those sort of like really special friendship moments, but in a, in a surprising Friendship and really, I thought, intricately examined stuff about race and identity coming of age. And just, it was really tender in a way that I wasn't quite prepared for, but I was really happy to be surprised by it. It was beautiful. I think that's going to be among my favorites for the year.
1: So I'm going to lead you to other frontless where I know you've read, I don't think you've talked about on the show, in the Mm -hmm. Jeff was Right category, in the early (laughs) times by Tad Friend. In our New Uh Yorker memoir off, who, who, who's got the belt Ooh. right now? We've got Schultz, we've got Friend, we've got Hoa. We, I guess Patrick Radden Keefe is not a memoirist, but I did the mm. collection of his essay right. Rogues, which it scratches a different itch, but four wonderful New Yorker books this year. What, where are you coming down now?
0: It's a good question. It's a tough
1: one. hate to have to choose. I you don't think... have to, but that's why we've got we to make content here.
0: Yeah, we've got to make content. We've got to do the thing. I think for the content... The Tad Friend stuff, like, there was... That book was fascinating... In a, and like rang a lot the of my personal are, the, bells. The end
1: is a real thing. You were started real me towards the end. I was like, here we go. I'm like, we're here. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. it.
0: Was, yeah. Just like what he's writing about and what happened in yeah. his family and then what happened with him was, a, <laughs> that's just a story. It is a story yeah. to have and then it is a story to tell the world. Like I got a lot of questions for Tad Friend about how he got permission to tell the world that, that story. <sighs> I think for the, Man. right? Yeah. I need to. I want to have a lot of drinks with his wife one day. Um, for the quality of their writing, I think it's neck and neck between Shue and Schultz. Um, for to, like, the specialness of the reading experience yeah. between them, maybe. Where are you sitting yeah. on it?
1: I'm not really sure. I mean, they're, they're doing different things. I think Schultz is three out of three for me. Um, mm-hmm. Mostly because I think she's using personal experience of of losing someone and then get entering into a relationship to do sort of a larger literary meditation on losing and finding, which felt like a lot of effort to write a book about losing your dad and falling in love, which is fine, but it was just mm-hmm. a lot of filigree around it, which I like the filigree. It's beautifully well-wrought filigree. Um, but it just felt like trying to, trying to do too much and or not it didn't need to do all that for it to be meaningful where you we'd break it down with stay true and in the early times i think you're kind of cascading down to closer and closer to the bone where stay true i feel like is the least adorned of mm. all of them mm-hmm. and even friend there's i remember some of that like i said on the show there's some sentence i think some of the sentence level stuff is very artful Yes. Um, and some of that is the, what he's doing is processing this through writing. Like writing is, in, it's not just the mode, it is the medium here that he's describing his father's writing and his writing. With, with Stay True, it just felt like it was very simple. It was very elemental. It was a relatively simple, short, it wasn't a whole life, my dad's whole thing. It's really like a six-year period, right? From mm-hmm. middle of high school to not even the end of college. So it's much more focused. And so it feels more intimate, and it has a certain punchiness that the other ones really don't. And New Yorker writing is not known for punchiness; it's known That's for true. competent luxuriating in elocution, which I like that because I just said that phrase, right? You know, <laughs> you don't say a phrase without like without liking New Yorker writing, but there was something about the. I, focus and purity of Stay True. Yeah. That's just different. I don't know if I like it better or worse, but that—that that, that is the difference to me uh, of, the, from the other ones.
0: The feeling of Stay True felt so much closer to the surface, which I think you're getting at that, like Schultz yeah. especially... Is both in her stuff in the memoir, but also really at a remove from it. Because it's like, I experienced a mm-hmm. loss, let me talk about the loss. But let us also step back and think about the concept of loss. And what
1: French and, poet uh, right, the etymology. Uh, quotation <laughs> would be useful here and
0: right. yeah, that kind of stuff, yeah. And she just stays right in it in a way that w- it was so absorbing. It was a one sitting, mm. one flight read. I loved it. Um, yeah. my other vacation reading was not frontless, but was kind of a surprise to me because I talked about On Beauty by Zadie Smith on our Patreon oh. episode and, but it had been like a billion years since yeah. I read it. And I was like, I gotta go back to Zadie Smith. I was such a young person <laughs> when I first read that, <laughs> but what is it like, um, going back to this book that is mostly about middle-aged people? Um, and it was... Man, Zadie Smith forever. I feel the way about her as I feel about Ishiguru. If I could have a Zadie Smith novel every year, I'd be such a happy woman. Um it's it's so good. It is just so Good. She wrote that was, was so like 27,
1: layered. which is so it's infuriating.
0: Bonkers. So. That is just bonkers. So like young. that she's yeah. she's in the heads of both the like the academia inner workings and all of the stuff that happens there mm-hmm. and it's sharp and funny and really observant in the ways that you expect Zadie Smith to be but also sort of deeply into the the marriages and families of these people that are middle-aged and how she at 27 could make sense of all of that and grasp it is just bananas to me it was it it was i'm so glad i went back it's making me think about like do i need some sort of project where i look back at other things i read when i was like in that 22 Uh, to 25 we've had a good time every
1: time we've done this interpreting melodies we've had a good time everything do you want to
0: go back to lonesome dove
1: i mean we did the 12 part (laughs) show i mean, Is it too soon to
0: Doves, so we gotta go first <laughs> you you've just stepped
1: on the bit, Rebecca, come on,
0: oh, sorry, Jeff, yeah, let's it's go okay. back and do another twelve. um but I think I should. I think I need to do some more mm. like intentional thinking about what I read and that maybe like fresh out of college middle of grad school phase of my life that i liked when you're just eating
1: re- culture you're just eating yeah. you're just and jamming like, it in there i
0: remember at the time being like mm. oh this is special like zadie smith this is a good book and it is special and having that feeling but i was not um i hadn't lived enough to really know why it was special to, to really get it um in my bones in the way that i can get some of that stuff yeah. at this point um i think that that's going to be a thing i'm going to think about for next year
1: uh, two quick ones for me. I read Book Lovers by Emily Henry. Finally came up on oh, my Libby Hold and read that.
0: Tell me everything.
1: Um, oh, no. <laughs> I, I enjoyed myself. Okay. I enjoyed myself. I would say it is qualitatively better than a recent book talk fave I've <laughs> read. Got um, it. I think these books aren't for me and that's Okay. Um, not that people like me can enjoy them, just that's not what I'm looking for. Um, this one's pretty meta because the female lead is a book editor, okay. and so is the male lead, and so they know all the romance tropes and romantic mm-hmm. story tropes, and are sort of. And so does Emily Henry; she's clearly, I mean, not just a fan of romances, but a fan of tropes and metafiction books and publishing writ large. So that was fun to see. Um, I guess this is going to sound terrible. I guess if I'm getting a romantic comedy or a romantic story, I'm, I really just want the very, very best.
0: Mm. This
1: is good, but I don't think, uh, for me, it's just not sharp enough literally. And there's so much playing with the tropes. I'm like, oh, I do. I don't really read this because of the tropes. And this is about having fun with the trope. So I'm guessing ah, if you like okay. romances and contemporary romances, you'll really like it. And I'm glad I read it. Um, I would read her do some other stuff. I guess I'd be especially ed- reading, interested in reading an Emily Henry book that's not a romance. Um, I don't really like knowing that they're for sure going to whatever <laughs> at the end. Um, it's also, the steamy stuff, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm trying to flip through. Let's get to the dialogue. The dialogue's a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah. Anyway, I'm glad I read it. It was definitely, I can see why people like it. Would I read another one? Maybe. Maybe. I'm just not a category reader when it really comes down to it. I read another book called The Recruit by Alan Drew, which is a pretty category mystery with a little twist or thriller. It wasn't for me. Just, yeah. Okay. okay. If you like that, that's great. Um, But. You know, I I want to read formulaic business books. That's where my formulas lie. That, that's the only time I've got for formulaic. Oh yeah, I know what is going to go on here. Business. A
0: books. history of business in ten business books.
1: Yeah. Um. The other one I recommended to you and Bob, um, that mm-hmm. I haven't talked about on the show, Wolf Hustle by Sin Fabre, which is I've never listened to any book like this. I've never read a story like this. It's a memoir. Um. Fabre, um. Grew up in the in a housing project in the Bronx. The child of, um. Haitian immigrants. And she goes up through the ranks to become a stockbroker during the dot-com bubble is kind of where she is. She's about, she's about my, she might be a little bit younger. Um, and she narrates it and has a wonderful New York accent where there's no R's. It's all, if the warriors are warriors, coffee, Mm. dog. (laughs) I love that. I missed that. I love that so much. Um, and it is a very tough listen. I said to you after I recognized, yeah. like, oh, the first ninety minutes are a real tough thing, and the rest of it is not a whole lot better. A lot of family stuff, a lot of sexist stuff. Um, the she, her little um, stock brokerage firm existed in the penumbra of shadow around Jordan Belfort's firm, which is the oh, central figure the, in Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street. This is the kind of boiler room, over the counter stock trading. Probably should be illegal, and maybe is now in most places. So you get that slice of life. How she got there? Um, she basically was such a good salesperson at Cohen's Fashion Optical in a mall in Queens that she realized she could kind of sell anything. And someone recognized that and said, "You should come be a cold caller for me." A cold caller—that's how she would say it in her New York <laughs> accent. Um, it was really—it was a really fascinating audio book and the kind of story. When we talk about diversifying stories, this is one that we don't, we don't get that many of these Mm -mm. like business memoirs in the trenches of wall street. I don't know if there's another one even exists by someone who's not white. I can't think of one and I've, I've read some of these. Um, so that was really fascinating stuff. Um, so anyway, there's that.
0: It was, I'm looking forward to that one. All the
1: trigger warnings, man. (laughs) Just, just literally all of them
0: noted. And hearing you so, talk about Emily Henry is helpful because I haven't gotten to an Emily Henry yet. And my plan is to pick one mm-hmm. to read on vacation this winter, like pick a beach book, go to the beach. So I'm probably not going to do book lovers because I don't want all that meta stuff. I think I'll pick one of the other. You're helping me narrow yeah, down not my not choices. I'll book, pick book, one of the other You're not a ones. book
1: for book lover kind of person weirdly, which is a weird look for Makes you. Makes me you're feel like, so Oh, this book is about you. libraries. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Speaking about yeah. books for book lovers, though, I think I'm going to go see The Storied Life of AJ Fickery this weekend. So stay tuned for that. Is in theaters? Recap I thought that was a week.
1: Netflix special. That's in theaters? Okay.
0: Yeah, I think it's coming out this week.
1: You're going to go see it, though, in a theater? Maybe I'm getting to I think up so. Not because
0: it's like a theater movie to me, but I've been taking right. myself to the movies like once a month. And it's I do the like thing going that's to the out. movies. Going to the movies alone is like the best thing ever i never told you that my
1: first year in New York, when it was just me and all I was doing was studying on Mm -hmm. Friday nights, I would go to the movies, the Sony Lincoln Center at 66 on Broadway. And I would just see something no matter what every, every Friday. That's that's such
0: a good vibe. That's what I'm trying to get into like once or twice a month. I used to do it before COVID. I'm really Mm -hmm. glad to have this back in my life. So I'm doing the like, what's out and just going to see stuff.
1: That's our show this week. Show notes, podcast. No, bookriot.com slash listen, email, <laughs> podcast at com. If you're in, on the Patreon, you've been circling, you've been wondering about it, you can go find us, patreon.com slash podcast. Got more news and notes for you next week. I especially want to hear about your Nobel Prize um, feelings about any or no. I'd also be curious, for those of you out there, do you ever, like, who, who amongst you has picked up a book because of the Nobel Prize, and what did you think of it? Um, our friend Greg picked up Afterlives. I saw him on Mm. Instagram say, why do I think it's going to be like homework? And I think he really captured something, even for me who kind of likes homework, that I always like, I'm doing this because it's now on the assigned canon reading list of life to some degree. And it's like serious literature. I'm never disappointed. I'm really never disappointed. I'm a snob. What am I worried about? This is for (laughs) me. I'm going to be fine here. Rebecca, we'll talk to you next time.
0: Have a good one.